in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable to the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Brian Fry. Brian, all the way out in Spokane, how you doing, man? Welcome to our show, Hack the Planet. <laughs> Very nice. There, there might be some tech references in today's episode. I'm excited. It's a dealer's choice. And I'm excited because we have a returning guest. So returning guest, Andrew Newman. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing quite well. How are you, Chad? I am excellent today. Excited to talk about Brian's movie. So we have a thing called a dealer's choice where we just say, we're not going to pick from a list. We're going to just do whatever we want. And each of us gets a turn. This is Brian's. So if you like it, write into Brian. If you hate it, write Brian angry letters. That's cool, too. Oh, I, I, I was prepared. I was prepared for this one. I actually think that more people like this movie than not, as long as you can, you know, take it with the 1995 grain of salt in which it was made. Oh, yes. The 90s filter. Before we get into the movie, though, I want to talk about there's there's a lot of technology in our movie. 1995, it's kind of in its infancy for some of it. But what is the funniest, outdated piece of tech in a movie when you go back and watch it now? Andrew, we'll start with you. Uh, Clueless, when they have the scene where they're both uh, talking on the cell phones to each other in school, Mm -hmm. but completely did not predict text messaging. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, that's a great one. All All the giant oversized cell phones reminds me of Saved by the Bell. Brian, how about you? Outdated tech. I mean, I'd go back to the the pseudo genesis of it and say imitation game with Christopher. Okay, okay. I figured. I you... mean, it's 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 not as ridiculous as as the tech in this. The the thing is, there's a ton of tech in this movie, and only about twenty percent of it's real. I thought someone might go with the three seashells that we never really find out what they're for. <laughs> Well, that's that's advanced tech. That's yes. that's that's beyond us now. We're, we're our toilet paper is the uh, is the the old tech that people think is funny now. I I went to the future for mine. So back to the future two. Future Marty's entire house is wired for fax. And <laughs> right. It's like okay, we uh, we didn't anticipate that one. So our other warm up question. We always ask this one. Andrew, what's the last movie you saw? The King's Man. Okay, all right. And it was really good. I have to say I have not seen the other Kingsman movies, or if I've seen, I've only seen part of them. And I just decided to give it a go. I really like World War One stuff. I've been fairly interested in it in terms of just the history. And this movie was, like, much above expectations. 
So I highly recommend The King's Man to anybody who's on the fence about watching it. Excellent. Was Ralph Fiennes still involved? Is that who plays the main guy? Uh, him and Taron Egerton yes. are in The King's Man, but yeah. Then yeah, I think it's him. All right, Brian? Is it Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what's the last movie we'll you saw? Last movie I saw, I was still on a bit of an Oscar kick, so I rewatched Argo okay. with Ben Affleck. All right, that's yeah. a that's a lovely, uplifting movie. I feel like you've right. been with Fargo. Well, I mean, that's a good follow up if I wanted to, you know, hit a certain button. I also, uh, I'm I'm a little, I'm regretting not saying the Talk Boy from Home Alone now. Oh, okay. All right. I like that tech. We can throw an extra tech yeah. here. Yeah. And for me, I watched The Neon Demon. So it's a very artsy horror flick. You can That does not work for me very often, and this one didn't really work for me. It's stylistically beautiful, but it's slow, it's boring. It doesn't work for me. But if it sounds like your cup of tea, Elle Fanning, very, very high art. Uh, it's, it's, got, uh, it's got Keanu, too. Yes, very briefly. Very, very, very briefly, but Keanu Reeves is in it, so very good. So we, we've we beaten around the bush a little bit, but Brian, what movie are we doing today? What movie did you choose for us? So this is 1995's movie Hackers. It's kind of it trying to introduce people to a very real thing that was going on at the time, and it ends up, in my opinion, it ends up more deifying it than giving you the... Uh, giving you the, the the negatives like i said it was released in 1995 it made about seven and a half million dollars placed 130th in the box office losing isaiah placed ahead of it uh the jerky boys behind it number one movie that year was uh, toy story imdb gives it a 6.2 critics give it a 31 and audience of 68 so everybody's kind of on the same page this movie was meh the reason i chose it is this actually had a fairly profound impact on me in a couple different uh, areas that we'll discuss later excellent so we we know you've seen this movie we'll get back to you but we'll start with our guest andrew had you seen 1995's hackers before i had and i actually own it okay all right now having said that i had not watched this movie in at least 15 years i did not remember the movie very well i remembered people that were in it much better and uh was actually surprised at some of the people that were in it which we'll do but despite owning the movie because i think somebody gave it to me i had not watched it very many times and i did probably only once or twice at most and i did not remember it uh very well so it was a it was a quite a bit of joy in terms of being like oh okay, I don't remember this movie nearly what I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like this is the type of movie that somehow made the circuit on the TBS, TNT, whatever. whatever no, not movies. at all. So, no, but it was definitely like the cult Like, it's definitely a cult movie, and it's definitely with people who, you know, like nowadays people like, say, you know, go to raves, go to festivals, things like that. It's uh it's it's something that you know all the youngins have actually seen. It's uh, it's, uh, it's still got quite a bit of popularity. Yeah, it's weirdly influential for the type of cult movie that it winds up being. Brian, this this was a new one for me. I don't know how I escaped seeing it with you. 
I feel like this is one that you would have pushed in my direction at some point in time or another. But So, this is a movie that I think at a fairly young age, I was, ele- I was 11 when this movie came out, so... I, this is probably one I just kept fairly close to the chest due to its, I, th- I think it's a, I don't want to call it a polarizing movie because that's not really the word I'm looking for, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, this is going to go out and wow people. I think it's a, it's a like it or you don't. And like Andrew said, like among certain groups definitely has a huge cult following and a, and a lot of enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes out to kind of scorn from the hacker community but now i've i've read a lot of articles of how it inspired people to go in and do this white hat hacking and uh, other technology related fields so it's interesting to see how it's kind of outlived whatever original legacy it was going to set so yeah uh we will be going into a plot summary here, so if you haven't seen 1995's Hackers since 1995, put us on pause, go check it out. Brian's going to spoil the movie when we return. What happens when two modern film fans go back and rewatch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? You get the Classic Film Jerks podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks podcast on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And every week we review a movie from the past and reflect on things we missed, things we loved, and things we want to see again. Yeah, because we believe any movie worth watching is worth watching again. So if you like films, friendship, and a lot of callbacks, I mean, just so many callbacks, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever RSS feeds go for like-minded, movie-loving individuals like you and we're back last warning before we spoil this movie brian is going to give you all the details if you haven't seen 95's hackers go go watch it now brian can you help us out with a plot summary absolutely prodigy computer genius zero cool crashes wall street trading systems as as an adolescent opening us to the digital world of computer hackers Fast forward to an 18-year-old Dade Murphy under his new handle, Crash Override, getting behind a computer for the first time since his, his iconic hack, and realizing that, in New York City, he is not alone. As he meets our cast of other misfit hackers, he simultaneously falls for and begins a rivalry with fellow maverick Kate Libby, a.k.a. Acid Burn. While uh, this is happening, fellow young hacker Joey stumbles across a corporate plot by antagonist hacker and head computer security Eugene Belford, a.k.a. The Plague. Joey copies the garbage file that held the master plan to capsize tankers if a ransom of $5 million is not transferred. The misfit squad of hackers unite to turn their attention to stopping the plot that is to blame them for the disaster. Using an SOS heard around the world, hackers unite to defeat the plague and set the tankers right again very good very good so we have do we call this almost like a young adult or teen ensemble movie it kind of is a oh yeah i would yeah yeah i would so what does that work for you does that work for seeing high schoolers take on a giant corporation and evil evil 
tech wizard, I guess, in this case with the plague. I think it's one of the things I like the most about this is there's a sense of the individual in this because, you know, Johnny Lee Miller even says it at one point. It's like, I don't play well with others. And you see that. I think one of the really unsung, awesome parts of this movie is there is transitional acting between Dade Murphy's hacking persona and then when he's not. So, yeah, he can hold a conversation with other other people, but you can tell by his, you know, off times um, kind of condescension and the way he talks to other people that he's he lives behind a computer. He's not, you know, this this social phenom. So, uh, yeah, I just I, I like it because you see a transition between, you know, his attitudes to, you know, just do do him and then him kind of warming to this crew of others, you know, from going from being a loner to a team player. I found it very believable because it were that it worked for me because the idea that people were who were high schoolers in the 90s are much more capable than high schoolers in, say, the 2000s totally worked for me. Burn it down. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, he gets in trouble at age 11, and this was based off of a real story of someone that put a worm into the stock exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, and it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. So, oh, this is really based on a true story? Yes, yeah. All of the hackers' names and everything in this, I, I mean, it's the plague and all that, aside that's not really based on a true story but the individual yeah they took a lot of their inspiration from real life hackers so there was a hacker called captain crunch that's why it's serial killer uh, freak is the it's a play off of the phone freak culture it was kind of adjacent to the hackers so the the phone trick which i thought was really cool the uh playing the tape recorder to the phone to be able to dial long distance which we just lost our entire audience born after the year 2000 uh <laughs> that that's a real thing that actually works so they had a phone freak culture and, and hacking with that and then there's the computer culture as well yep a big part of this movie and what winds up being weirdly influ influential we haven't had an attempt to make computer technology interesting i think of movies like tron uh, that it's just way out there in fantasy land another one of my favorites the net with sandra bullock yeah yeah that did that come out that was a little after hackers right mm -hmm. if only we had the technology to find out yeah I, i'm lost to it but uh no it was also it was also 1995 they came out the same year okay what were you going to say? Andrew? Disclosure. Yeah, disclosure. Okay. That was a, that was definitely a tech movie that got people interested in computers. I mean, Demi Moore helped a lot there. But, <laughs> right. I'm sure Angelina Jolie didn't hurt here. But what do you think of? We're we're in this space that really hasn't had a lot of people trying to make an interesting attempt at displaying hacking or displaying advanced technology. So. Does that work for you? Does the 3D interfaces, the uh, giant servers in the background that look like Xboxes, 
Now, it, is that working for you in a movie like this, or or do you want the command prompts boring <laughs> hacking that's actually taking place? Do you want a more grounded approach? I would say that there are parts of this that work for me and parts that don't. Parts that they really kind of gave a nod to Tron with as you're navigating the Gibson. I wish that was a real thing. That would be super cool if that's how you actually browsed, if there was a a almost like a simulated world in in a way and i uh, i also appreciated how they kind of incorporated it as date is flying into new york city so that piece of it that piece that i feel like comes directly from tron and that sort of thing i love yeah yeah we've got i i would go for light cycles they didn't make an appearance here but Go, go get on my light cycle to go retrieve my files. I'm up for that. Andrew, right. how about you? Is, is fantasy tech, or at least trying to display this hacking in an interesting way, is that working for you? I think that worked fine. I don't think that that was the problem in this movie. Like, I think the biggest problem with it is, the, or the way that connects is the shaving you know the basically isn't that like the plot of superman 3 and in office yes. space <laughs> yeah salami it, slicing yes yeah at least in office space they reference superman 3 like they make fun of themselves they you know what i mean they they make it obvious that they know it's a ridiculous plot right right this doesn't do that and i don't mind the fantasy tech if you have a little more a little better plot there but that just kind of seemed like pretty lazy writing. Like the person had gotten high, watched Superman three and was like, Hey, I can do this too. <laughs> yeah. That, that was an interesting point you make because it seems like they did half of their research. They do have right. all these references to famous events and famous people, the Gibson Mainframe is named after William Gibson. He invented the term cyberspace in 1982. So they've got a lot of things out there for techies. The game that they're playing is an unreleased version of Wipeout. It gets released in September. But then they do just baffling things, like you're saying, Andrew. They, they call it a worm. And worms do not salami slice. What worms do is they replicate over and over, slowing down your computer to the point of crashing. So they they get their tech speak wrong quite often. At, at one point, I think of NCIS, one of my favorite, the writers will say they make just ridiculous hacking scenes. And there's a competition in writing now on TV series to make it the least amount of believability of, as possible. They're getting hacked, and in order to prevent the hack, two people start banging on the keyboard at the same time as fast as possible. <laughs> so we have that where they're just spitting out word salad of, oh, oh yeah, this has a PCI bus, and it's a Mac at the time that didn't have a PCI bus. It says something about the refresh rate, and she cites the chip. Like That's a monitor term. I do love him screwing with the security guard in the beginning of the film, trying to hack into the TV network. And he's like, yeah, my BLT drive just went AWOL. 
got yep. this big project for Mr. Kawasaki. And if I don't get it in, he's going to ask me to commit Harry Carey. And the guy's like, uh, and then, he, <laughs> and then he literally comes up and he, he's like, yeah, this is Eddie Vedder in accounting. Like right. that's, that's so funny. <laughs> like the, the little name drop pieces that they use in this, I do like. So it's like, I agree with the lazy writing at parts, but then I also am like, all right, well that was genius. Yeah. It's, it's like it's trying to be tongue-in-cheek at, at certain points in time, but even in that scene you're referencing, so the guard gives him one number, and he types in a different one. It's like, what are, why couldn't you make this sync up, you know? Yep. Yeah, and I think they were going for, they're trying to make computer nerds cool, which I appreciate, but I think we have to talk about the costuming here. We have some wild outfits from Angelina Jolie's. And I, I, she says she got typecast after this to girl that doesn't wear bra and tiny tank top to whatever was going on with Matthew Lillard. So let's let's take a minute here and uh, wardrobe address what what they're trying to do with this wardrobe. I mean, it's a. I, I think they're trying to feed into a a tech piece, a New York fashion piece, and they they're trying to make it look like a different world. I mean, it's this is also the punk scene. It's the it's the convergence of punk and tech. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Lillard's weird yeah. shirt is definitely from that punk scene. So yeah. Or his greatest Zooks album. Yeah. <laughs> there are plenty of really smart people at a rave. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And they had their own club that I don't to Brian's point, maybe they're trying to make it futuristic and cool because I have never seen a hacking type club with EDM. I, I, God, I wanted that to be real. I like I seriously was like I would go that's that's a place I would frequent. Okay. Cyberdelia is your your hangout now. Right. I'm not saying like it'd be the only place I'd go. I just I would totally do it. It's called the guys who are getting together to play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, none of, none of us looked this good. So, <laughs> yeah, I. I computer. How would anybody know? Yes, yes, exactly. the The lawyer says something in the beginning. It's Felicity Huffman actually for a, a cameo. She says you've used your intelligence for antisocial behavior which is right. absolutely consistent with a lot of the internet. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got this own cool world. They've they've got their own dress that's so outlandish. I don't know what Dade was wearing at one point. It looked like they hung a tape measure from his jacket. There was just weird strings. And they've they've got their own manuals. They're Dade uh, identifies all the it's Department of Defense manuals for from the Rainbow series that Matthew Lillard's whipping out. So, yep. so Crayola oh, books. Yes. Yeah. So were those true? Are those like actually books that like hackers used? Yes. They... Yeah, they're all yep. true. Yep. Yeah, all of them. They are really from the Rainbow series. So there's there's a couple more to it. You have the red, yellow, whatever. And then there were two others outside of the Rainbow series that are actual books as well. And we have we have an interesting villain 
he's not the CEO here. He's not the the evil corporate guy per se. He is a security monitor. So what do you think of Eugene the Plague here? I'd like to start in on this, if you don't mind. Please do. So, first off, most people will know Eugene the Plague by something very different. They will know him as Phoebe's boyfriend in an episode of Friends, where he is the annoying psychiatrist that pisses everybody off. And that made it... I did not remember that that's who that was. And... That put a very unique spin on it for me because he, it kind of just made me picture that character then going and working for a tech company and being an engineer and, and you know, mm-hmm. that being the same guy, basically. Like, that's how my brain transitioned it. So uh, I, uh, I thought he did a pretty good job, but I have to say that I read that apparently Quentin Tarantino was also up for the role. And I feel that that is superior casting choice. Be an interesting one. I'm not sure. I I guess at the time I wouldn't have thought too much of it, but like, given how much I've liked this movie over time and what he's gone on to do, that'd be a fairly huge deviation in my head. Yeah, that's that's interesting. He he might be a little bit meaner and less less nerdy. I don't. I don't know if either of you. I know Fry has has seen Grandma's Boy, but he reminded me a lot of the lead developer guy from Grandma's Boy. Time that Fry watched Grandma's Boy was with me, actually. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was getting that that nerdy, not the robot shtick, but riding around on the skateboard, eating sour patch straws. I. I th- is that what he was doing? I, I don't know if they were Twizzlers or futuristic Sour Patch Straws. I don't know. Or Sour Punch Straws, I guess. appreciate the idea that the similarity where they both kind of have this I'm better than everybody else mm-hmm. attitude. And they think that it can just allow them to get away with, like, it's not that they've thought through everything clearly. They're just like, oh, well, I think that I'm better, so it'll work out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting arrogance because the the Secret Service is involved in in this movie. So we have the the side story: the two cops chasing down, or the two agents chasing down our our hacker group, but no one thinks to just check the company's computer. You can tell if a file is downloaded versus if a file is inserted. Like it would this movie would have been over much 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 earlier had anyone done any kind of research i guess so, <laughs> so but Do you many movies that came out for like through at least probably 2015 that essentially they just ignored the existence of cell phones yes yes like it's so ridiculous and like, at least I love that How I Met Your Mother has like the one episode where they actually talk about cell phones. And then like outside of that, they go right back to ignoring cell phones again. <laughs> you do realize most of these episodes are just taken care of by people calling each other or texting each other, right? <laughs> cell phones yeah. have become a problem in the horror movie world. So 
to the point where they usually have to go to a remote location and then put in the throwaway line of, oh, I don't get any service. And then we can move on with our movie. <laughs> yep. so, so, yeah, so a lot of things can be resolved by, with a simple phone call. Although here we're, we're having to use pay phones for everything. It's the uh, 1-800-CALL-ATT world of 1995. Absolutely. So we, Eugene, he is, he's planning to capsize an oil tanker as a threat. Is, is that believable? Is that workable for you as, as villain motivation? I did enjoy the Da Vinci virus. Um, and I think it was at five or nine tankers. Yeah. It, yeah. You mentioned this. I think it was five. Yeah. But I, I can't remember the exact number. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a very nasty piece of work that he is planning to do. You know, it's it's worldwide ecological disaster, like they said. So maybe maybe overkill, but uh, it it was definitely a very entertaining uh, plot point. I feel like that he had a like he's not great at understanding concepts. Like I understand that he's evil, and that he's, you know, wants to get away. That's part of it. And he wants this amount of money, but that's only $25 million. Like, I think if you're going to threaten worldwide ecological disaster and he's planning to do it, like he's planning to just do it anyway. I would kind of think that you'd want, you know, given inflation, you'd want more than 25 mil. <laughs> so he He's Dr. Evil in your book of one million dollars. Yeah, I was like, I was like, he stole. T- I was like, that's it. That's all he stole. Like, you need to, like, let this program run for a couple more years, buddy. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting having the young hacker Joey accidentally stumble on something and doesn't even really know what he's found. Then he gets in trouble for something miscellaneous with having an ATM in like Iowa spitting out $700. That's how he gets caught. I don't think in 1995, 25 mil would have bought you an NHL team. No. If it's not enough to buy at least an NHL franchise, you need to steal more. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe like the Florida Panthers, maybe Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. 25 million is, it's not getting you a lot, and especially when they're in New York City. Yep. Well, after he's done this, he's probably, you know, going on the run. So, which is even more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he clearly didn't think any of this through. It's easily traceable to you. It apparently can be disrupted by high schoolers. And the this dude's, uh, you may be right, his... His ego, his I'm better than you. He keeps repeating the most common passwords, which were pretty much all wrong. Love, sex, secret, and God. Yeah. It's like, the most, remotely true? No. The most common passwords are password, admin, and some variation of 1234. So, that's... I, uh, I, I also did... I did enjoy the line, though... Um, after that where he said so would your holiness care to change her password yeah like i i do i did enjoy that line yep so which one was she 
I think the oh. implication was sex. Yeah. Well, it was even funnier too when uh, you know he's sitting there trying to trace it, and he's like, "God wouldn't be up this late." Yeah. Yeah, and there there is a a role, an administrative role. So I actually have this for the database that I support, and it is called a God entitlement. It means I can create, I can destroy. Everybody else usually has read-only or production, but they can't. It's called breaking the glass. So, yeah, that that part kind of worked for me. Of he, He's taking it way too literally, but I do have God access where I work. So, mm. so yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I, I'm a God within my own database. All right, yep. chill, chill out here, here. I don't know what your compensation is, but it's probably not great. Agreed. And we we start out with this rivalry, too. We're introduced to Kate Libby. We don't know it's her initially that's showing up at the TV station that he's hacked just to be able to watch an episode of The Outer Limits. But he, Dade, is smitten with Kate pretty much immediately, even though she's, she does the old Stuyvesant joke of the pool on the sixth floor or the pool on the roof and he gets soaked. So Brian, we'll start with you because I recall during our, uh, uh, one of our podcasts where you just demanded more love story. Do we need a love story in this? I think this had exactly the appropriate amount of love story. Like this was like, have it there. It's something it's, it's, you know, brewing the entire time, but it's, it's more of a, a, I don't want to call it academic. It's an intellectual dueling that make this a better piece than, uh, will they, won't they get together kind of thing. Like I wouldn't have wanted any additional emphasis on it than we got. Okay. But I do blind when the mom says, "Oh, now I see what this is all about." Right. Because, right. like, are you how are you going to write something about teenagers without referencing the fact that they're horny? Like, mm-hmm. but that's like the truth of human nature. So, like, that needed that. Like, I thought it. I think I agree with Fry on this. I think it was just the right amount. They didn't do it over the top. You know, it was more focused on doing the right things about their culture then you know what i mean it was not about like oh i'm in love with her it was no these are the right like this is we're trying to do what's right and wrong yeah yeah it's not dawson's creek over here but it it does to your point it has some horniness to it there's dade has his own dreams about kate coming into his bedroom and kate has her own fantasy about dade as well so we're getting a, a little, extra. and we get a little cross dressing in there too. So you know, there's there, there's some uh, there's some some topics in this. Yeah, yeah. losing the bet and and wearing the dress. Yeah. Well, he's he's wearing that latex thing in her sex dream about him. Mm-hmm. Did, has Jess made you wear one of those, Fry? Oh, not yet. <laughs> Heavy emphasis on the word yet. Yep. Yep. And we have a kind of an ensemble cast here with the the others. We've got Nikon, we've got Freak, we've got Serial Killer. All of these are their hacker handles. Andrew, just having having this extra cast around our 
our two main protagonists, Kate and Dade, does that work for you? Do you like the extra members? Oh, yeah. I think that the hands down the best thing about this movie is its cast. Like, you've got talented actors in almost every single spot. I, you know, if you go, like, it's one of those movies where you're like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy, oh, that guy, oh, that guy. And I think the ensemble cast around the two leads, uh, they do a great job. They aren't just there. They're not, you know, like just token people. They're actually given stuff to do. In yeah. fact, most of the plot really revolves more around the other people than the two of them, you know, in terms of the dealing with the FBI or the, you know, get the authorities. Uh, most of that doesn't, it, you know, only some of it is dealing with the two of them. And I thought that all of the actors in the group did a really good job and all have other things I, I haven't seen them in. Yeah, I, uh, I also like their, they have an almost uncanny use of like drop in famous people <laughs> that I really enjoyed, like Penn Jillette and Mark Anthony. Yes. Like j- just stuff like that where you're just like, man, it's crazy he's in this movie like in this role so yeah and to andrew's point it serial a serial killer matthew lillard's character he is the one that gets the big reveal you you kind of go into this movie thinking dade's gonna get the big moments where he's kind of unmasking the plague is this nefarious individual but it's serial killer and and this other group so we have razor and blade who are the the phone freak they're the hack the planet almost podcast tv series type individuals they're the ones that kind of reveal and and spoil the plague's plans in the end so yeah this this is a fun cast uh it was almost very different for i'm i'm gonna make Fry a little bit sad here. Maybe someone else. I don't know. But uh, Hillary Swank, Heather Graham, and Liv Tyler auditioned for the role of Kate. It ultimately went to a very young Angelina Jolie. So, do you want any of those three here? I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Liv Tyler lover. So, um, I I wouldn't hate seeing that. But I'm not sure <laughs> if any of them could put the the sass into the role that Angelina Jolie did. I'm a big Heather Graham fan, so that was new information to me, and uh, I really see her pulling that off fantastically. Yeah, I gotta be honest, I, I kind of want Heather Graham here. I want that alternate reality of Heather Graham and Hackers to see what she would do. I think that would be fun. What wouldn't be fun for me is Katherine Heigl. She was initially offered Ugh. the role of Kate Libby, but she couldn't do it. And in a completely different tone, Edward Norton was, he auditioned for Dade. So we could have had, instead of Johnny Lee Miller, who winds up marrying Angelina Jolie very shortly after this movie, we could have had Edward Norton. I, I, think. I just don't see it. Uh, see, I love, I, I think that of all the casting, I think Johnny Lee Miller's probably the worst. Oh, that does make me sad. I don't... <laughs> But like, you know, he doesn't like, he, he didn't stand out to me as being like fantastic. And okay, he's not the worst. He's the second worst because I actually have a different one whenever we get to that. But oh my gosh, Edward Norton 
would have definitely brought a lot more gravitas to the role, in my opinion. Mm. He, yeah, I just I view him as meaner. Like, Edward Norton, Heather Graham, like, oh my god, that's. I bet you that movie makes more money. Yeah, yeah, it would have cost more money too. I, I, I like. Johnny Lee Miller's portrayal of Dade Murphy so much because of the constant play of emotions across his face. And it's as much, it's, it's down to eye twitches and stuff. Cause you get that kind of subtle insecurity that he gets the, the little, you know, how he like stutter types when she says, I hope you don't screw like you type. Like there are so many little things that he goes into, you know, computer geniuses are not social people and you can tell he has almost, uh, you know, on the spectrum way of dealing with stuff sometimes. And I thought he did a remarkable job acting in this. Yeah. He was banned from owning a touchtone phone for eight years. So, you know, be careful kids of, there's touchdown phones. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in another confusing line for people that are getting to this movie late, it's like, oh, okay. I don't know what a touchstone phone is. <laughs> he, it's a good thing they said prodigy because I mean, think about eight years ago as far as our computer technology now. Mm-hmm. We we were in a completely different Windows thing. Things change quickly, and in 1995, from 19, he was 1988 when he was sentenced. The technology leaps and bounds that occurred. Like he picks all this up to the point where he knows how to hack a TV station pretty much within the first month of being out of probation. So he, I guess he's. Ready I think it was day of. Day of. Day of. Because she says happy birthday. I think what what I'm getting out of this, you know, he knew all those books. Like they said, he can't own or operate a computer or touchstone telephone. That doesn't mean he can't read. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's probably constantly. That's the reason he sucks at typing. He hasn't had any. Like I think if I were him, I would have probably picked up a typewriter just to keep that skill sharp. So, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you know I. Just because he can't own one of the things doesn't mean he can't learn everything he can get his hands on. on. Yeah. Yeah. He's clearly kept up on the tech, even though he can't touch it. It's just oh, uh, for the for the younger people listening. Um, so by reading these things, we're talking about these things called books. <laughs> and for a lot of people, the way they would go uh, get these is these places called libraries. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Or bookstores. Uh, I mean, that seems like a futuristic type thing. Yo, brain dead. The manual. <laughs> Does anybody know anybody that goes to bookstores anymore? Uh, <laughs> barely. Poor Brian. Poor Brian. Yeah, well. <laughs> Love you, Brian. I will defend the printed word. Yes. Yeah. And, and this movie, it's... It's just trying to make knowledge. The old uh, 80s, 90s theme, knowledge is power. So if you take nothing else away from hackers, he he kept up, I guess, on the tech. And he was able to overcome what would be a supervillain. I don't know, a Lex Luthor-type character who eats gummy Agreed. straws. 
It's going to be straws. I feel like the one aspect of that that they get correct is how bad the government is at tech, like how bad, particularly during that era, how much they were behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. like the whole way. Like the best people in tech do not go into the government. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although, uh, I guess this is an indictment of my brother-in-law. He's a he's a white hat hacker, which are people that do, uh, they call it ethical hacking. They're paid to go and try and break things, and he works for the government. And so that's that's his job is find your site, find whatever files, and try and get into them, and then explain, here's what you did wrong. Here's, here's how you fix this security hole. Uh, one thing I, I did really like in all of this, so in modern day we have, we have groups like Anonymous that you hear about hacking, and a lot of their hacking is DDoS attacks. And we, we have an early depiction of this. When they're calling around in the end to overwhelm the Gibson, they're called script kitties now. Uh, they're, they're downloading a program that's given to them by someone that's written it, but what the program does is it, it goes and it pings the site, and it just overwhelms it, and it crashes it, and it's a distraction, so you can go in and commit some form of fraud. And we see that here. It, there's a lot of people around the gro- globe, and I think the implication here is that they're doing active hacking, but in modern technology, they're running a program. So that was kind of cool to see them distracting the Gibson and uh, distracting the plague away from what was actually taking place from trying to copy that. Uh, they kept calling it a garbage file. That's just something that's been put in your trash bin and you haven't deleted it. So, Andrew, to your point, though, no, the government's not good at it. So you have uh, movies like Swordfish and the book uh, Zeros by Chuck Wendig, where they go out and blackmail people who are good at it to doing their bidding. That's that's how the government does that. (laughs) Blackmail them with Halle Berry. That works, right? I don't don't know very many people who wouldn't be blackmailed with Halle Berry. Yeah, yeah. The, I I have a soft place in my heart for Swordfish. I know it's not a good movie, but I still enjoy it. I love Swordfish. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I had right. a, I I agree. I love that movie too. All right. All and right. and you know, like I said, this is one of the areas that the movie had a really profound impact on me because. I started watching and reading all kinds of stuff on the subject matter. So movies like Swordfish and Antitrust, Enemy of the State, Enemy of the State, The Net, The Matrix, Johnny Mnemonic, like it got me into an entirely new, you know, subculture that that I just found fascinating. Uh, not out to virtuosity. A virtuosity, yeah, that's also good. And you mentioned that impact on you, Fred, but the the big hackers at the time, I, I think their response is funny. They actually took over the website for the movie Hackers, and it's saved within the web archives. And it's very short. It's very 90s style. And it basically says, hey, this movie sucks. Go buy a book on coding in C. Uh, what, mm. what it says, uh, knowledge isn't free. Don't hack the planet. 
don't see hackers it sucks buy teach yourself c in 21 days instead <laughs> so the initial nice. response was a little hostile but it, it did wind up inspiring people like yourself to go and check out this this intriguing world and there's there's been quite a few interviews of people that are in white hat hacking jobs said hey this looked really fascinating to me as a kid now you can't exactly film me hacking in real life because it's just it's a command prompt screen and they're doing it for like eight hours trying different things and failing instead of seeing cool fonts and Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the most ridiculous it's a it's an itunes yeah itunes visualizer yes yeah exactly you would be bored to death watching an actual hacker do their thing there's there's no amount of you're typically not banging every key in your keyboard to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I did think it was typing that fast. Probably not. I mean, not in a different world. I I type quickly to write my code, but if I'm doing something deliberate like searching through files or going through registry keys. It, it's a lot more staring and right clicking than it is uh, just banging on the keyboard constantly. But who knows? Maybe, maybe someone will write in and say, hey, well, if I'm running Unix or Linux, they're probably not running Windows or Mac. We're banging on the keyboards quite a bit. Who knows? Our, our director here, his name's Ian Softly. And stop me if you've heard of literally anything else he's done Uh, we have backbeat in 1994 we've got hackers 95 the wings of the dove in 97 k-pax in 2001 i saw that one did you okay yeah it's uh uh basically it's uh i'm a blank on the dude's name now usual suspects kevin spacey is a alien in a psych ward because he's telling people he's an alien and nobody believes him. Oh, okay. All right. That I don't Sounds interesting. That does not sound good. <laughs> it was what? fine. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> okay. It was fine. All right. I I did see the skeleton key 2005. I did as well. With Kate Hudson. I actually enjoyed it, but it's probably I was, it, was, it, was, it was very decent. Inkart trap for Cinderella and Curve. So I think is, I saw, is Curve the one with Matthew Lillard where they're killing people because if somebody dies in your class, they curve tests so to, to make up for like the, the loss of a fellow student? If that's what I think it is, I've, I actually think I have that movie. No, I don't think that's what that is. It no. was a, uh, hang on one second. Let I want to see the me. movie you're talking about though. Okay, it is not the same movie, but the movie you're wanting to see, Chad, is called The Curve and it's Matthew Lillard. Okay. And it's a it's a horror movie cuz they start killing their classmates to get better grades. All right. That's yeah, it sounded it sounded like a horror movie and I was intrigued because if Matthew Lillard's in a horror movie, I want to see that. But yep. okay, it cur- is uh it's uh Carrie Russell, uh Michael Vartan from Alias, um uh, and Matthew Lillard and uh it was a Dan Rosen movie. Okay. All right. All right. Added to the watch list right now on Letterbox, Brian. I, given a relatively small amount of work here, what do you think of Ian Softly as our director? 
I mean, this is hands down my favorite movie that he's done, but that's not saying a lot because I just truly enjoy watching this movie, like to the point where this is probably my most incalculable movie. Like how many times have you watched this? Wow. So it, it's it's an easy one for me to just toss on while I'm doing other stuff. It's just it's just an enjoyable film for me. So yeah, I'm I'm not, you know, stunned by anything he's done. I'd say Skeleton Key would probably come in second. And then, like you said, like the rest of the films outside of K-Pax, I've never even heard of. Okay. Andrew, any, any familiarity with Mr. Softly here outside of our, uh, our hackers I movie? Say, given how much I was impressed with the cast, I feel like that the failure of the movie primarily falls on the director's shoulders. So not inspired to see anything else of his given this like i'd agree with that that's fair i feel like that the cast was great like the script probably could have used a little bit of pumping up but that's what a good director is supposed to do is to you know make the that those things stronger not weaker and instead i feel like he just did okay yeah but he had a, i feel like he had a lot to work with and with a better director that's a hit movie. Yeah. It being a cult classic. Yeah, some of, the, some of his direction is confusing to me. And I understand the 90s are a different time, but I really hate intersplicing things. And there's there's a lot of that where Dade's thinking of something and you just get these short crackles with different imagery coming up. And it keeps going throughout the movie. And I don't, I don't appreciate that. I feel like the acting was, it needed to be tuned up. I mean, Angelina Jolie is an Oscar winner. And we get this, this performance from her. You know, George Lucas, as far as Natalie Portman's performance, kind of same thing. It's, you know, are you paying attention to what's being said? Or is this just a paycheck for you? Yep. I can see that. We've talked a little bit about our set design and our our location. A lot of this is shot in London. So they built Cyberdelia from scratch. It's over an abandoned indoor swimming pool. It was actually marked as a historic monument. So they had to be really careful when building this kind of cyber arcade place. But it's mostly set in the 90s uh, New York City. So what what do you think of putting this in New York and kind of changing up New York a little bit to be this this hip techie place where they have areas for these hackers to go? Uh, I thought that the best thing about picking New York is it made the combination of them rollerblading some yes work really well and so it was able to combine these you know, different cultures and it wouldn't work well if you shot it in, if, you know, they were supposed to be from like high school in Austin, right? Hmm. Yeah. So we're yeah. not going to believe that they're going to be rollerblading all over the place that way. And they gave the cast three weeks prior to shooting this movie to hang out and get to know each other and be friends. But also part of that three weeks was to learn how to rollerblade. So I'm glad you brought up the rollerblades. Excellent. 
I thought that yeah, they didn't. They they also taught him how to type during that time too. Yeah. Well, we can see who picked it up well and who didn't. <laughs> Listen, Johnny Lee Miller, like you got to do better. Do you feel like he's the most egregious bad typer? Well, I mean, they kind of like address why, but yeah, I, absolutely. I think the best are probably Razor and Blade. They seem to always like the one dude was like no looking, no look typing. Like when Matthew Lillard's talking to him, and he's like, "Yo, I kind of feel like God," and he's like no look typing. He's like, "Yeah, it's pretty sweet." <laughs> so they have that strange contraption with the light, the Zippo or whatever on the end, where they're talking. oh yeah, the the, the fake gun. Yeah, let's let's keep her. Waste the dude. Yeah, so, you know, we've kind of talked about Matthew Lillard a little bit, but you know, in my opinion, he's just one of those guys that he typically makes movies better. Yes, and I feel like that, given that you had Angelina Jolie and Matthew Lillard, and again that this movie wasn't a big hit, primarily falls on the director, like. You had a lot of talent to work with there, and we haven't even gotten to some of the other people, but that's, you know, two of your top three, in my opinion, two top top four are pretty major actors that have done a lot of great work. So why aren't you getting better performance at what we like? And I thought Matthew Lillard was great in this. I just thought he could have been even better, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. they, they all had a tough task because... I mean, look at what Matthew Lillard's having to say while he's wearing what he's wearing and just he's doing the best he can. He he is easily the most entertaining for me and may come up a little bit later. As far as special effects, we, we talked about some of this, but how do you feel about having random math equations show up uh, when when they're working on things or a giant light up keyboard that Eugene's working on, uh, the plague's working on to help fight against this hack. Do you like the special effects in this movie, even though it's, you know, it's may not have aged well. It's too, it's too prong for me. I do dig the entire Ellingson computer room. Like that's, that was kind of an awesome room. But on the other hand, the, the iTunes visualizers would definitely go for me. Like, they really needed something better for that. I actually liked how they how they did the cinematography on shooting the individual phone books in, like, a 360 around while they were doing it. Give me something creative like that. Don't just give me, like, visualizer vomit. Okay, yeah. That, that scene, I put sexy and with a question mark like are we making the phone booth sexy while it's spinning around angelia jolie i think that's what they were going for she probably makes phone booths sexy i I, yeah yeah and andrew are the special effects working for you in this movie no i think that a much better direction in terms of director would have been somebody who was going to shoot it the way that like Vince gilligan shot breaking bad you know where it's very gritty and real like, I think that would have been great. I mean, look, we don't need to see somebody hacking at a computer for 10 hours. But if you show us, you know, like there's ways to move that along and not ha- without having to make it look 
ridiculous, you know, look like, you know, like a light up keyboard does something special, right? <laughs> like that's, that, that's not needed. And it, I don't think it added anything. Like we get plenty of brightness from the punk side of the culture. And since that is realistic, that that's, you know, the mid nineties punk scene, like go watch other movies. That's how a lot of the kids dressed. It was, that's, that was a thing. You don't need to add fake brightness to the movie. That's fair. That's fair. And if you want a good modern example of hacking and tech culture, Mr. Robot is an excellent show. It's been praised over and over for its depictions. Now to be fair to it, it's almost 30 years post this movie. This movie's working with a lot of the tech that's in its infancy, but yeah, so maybe more practical effects or do more, do less showing and more telling of, hey, this is what they're doing, maybe some time lapse, things like that. Yeah. Is that the one with uh, Rami Malik? It is, yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that out, actually. How do you feel about Antitrust? Oh, I, I liked that movie, too. I haven't seen it yet. What? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, you're you you're like like you gotta turn in your like, you know, you just lost points on your geek card, man. Yeah. Like, as a tech guy, you're supposed to have seen that movie. I I've what? I've got enough bank on my geek card, so I No no no, you gotta <laughs> tell your tech friends that you haven't seen it, they're gonna make fun of you. Alright, alright. They're get, all gonna laugh at you. I will yeah, get that They're knocked, all gonna laugh at you. I'll get it knocked out this week. I'm going to lead in with our next topic because I just have to get on the soapbox before you guys make me feel bad about it, but I despise EDM. I I absolutely despise it. I have never been a Moby fan either. He doesn't really fall into electronic dance music, but this soundtrack is filled with it. And unfortunately, it winds up being influential to the point future tech scenes are depicted with EDM. So I just want to take a few seconds and curse this movie for that influence. I, you have made me very unhappy, and I, I do not want my technology linked with this type of music. Now, Fry and Andrew, please go tell me how I'm wrong. I would, I, I mean, look, music choice is is something highly personal. So I don't knock you for not liking it, but music is a very personal. Thing. So I don't knock you for not liking it, but I would say that one of the most influential parts of this movie is its music, and it got me into some of those things. So not just EDM, but electronic dance, you know, Prodigy, Orbital, Massive Attack is a big, uh, I'm a big fan of. So yeah, I, I hear you, and no, it's not for everybody. I mean, dude, my mom and her fiance absolutely can't stand it. They live in Vegas, and, you know, they accidentally happen upon a lot of it, you know, especially at clubs and stuff there. So yeah, it's, it's not for everybody. And I'm not going to say that I'm a champion of the entire, you know, culture of it, but there's definitely some stuff in there that is, that is worth a listen. And this movie did a lot to, to point me in that direction. Your wife delighted in tormenting me with EDM. Like yeah. she, she got special joy out of playing it when I was around. Anything in particular? Or? I never bothered to learn what it was it all sounds the same okay fair this, this is my old curmudgeon personality andrew did the edm work for you are you happy it's here? uh so up until probably like 
five or six years ago, I was definitely not into any of anything that falls into that category. It wasn't, you know, what I listened to. And, you know, I think it's Eminem that says nobody listens to Moby. Right. <laughs> but since then, I've been to some raves and this music is it's a pretty certain it's a lot better if you're doing either mushrooms or MDMA. So, like, I can understand not liking this music because definitely on mind-altering substances, this music is much better. I think it's, I think for the instrumental, uh, I think the instrumental iteration of this, like uh, groups like Orbital, it's more something that I would, I would put on in the background while I'm doing other stuff and enjoy it, like just good beat and rhythm and that sort of thing. But you've got to be in the mood for it. And uh, I actually have a playlist on my phone called uh, Music I Listen To While play- while Playing Cyberpunk 2077. That's what this is. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's one of those things. Now, something like Massive Attack, where they, you know, implement more of a, a wider variety of uh, genres within that piece, I, I, I wouldn't qualify it in quite the same way. That's fair. That's fair. So I will I will move on to our favorite part of the show. Are you guys ready to hand out some superlatives? Let's do it. All right. We'll start with Andrew for our MVP. Director, actor, supporting actor. Who do you have, Andrew? You know, I felt like the uh, MVP was... Uh, I'm going to go with co-MVPs to uh, The Freak and Lord Nikon. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, uh, the cast love. I, I really and, and and you know I probably could have made it triple MVPs with Matthew Lillard, but uh, that whole group and we haven't even talked about the kid yet at all, um, the youngest member. Yeah, Joey. Yeah, and what did he go on to do? Uh, swim fan uh, was the first thing that came to mind. Oh, holy crap! That was him. There's something else on his IMDb that I was like, oh, I know him from that. No, he's he he was fairly influential in the teen-ish movies of the early 2000s. Oh, Bring It On, uh, Flags of Our Fathers. Bring It On, that's what, that, that was the thing. Everybody knows Bring It On. Yeah. So I thought that the MVPs really were, you know, the Freak and Lord Nikon, that given what's clearly a limited script that they made the most of their scenes like they do in most of the work that they both of those actors are in and they really carried the movie in a positive way. Uh, and, you know, I guess if they're MVPs, Matthew Lillard gets a really close in on that. You're zero cool. I thought you was a black man. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. Cause yo man, this is zero cool. And he's like reciting the, the headline from the newspaper that he had photocopied into his brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and he gets the number right, unlike the government agency that they were right. reciting it out. They were like five off or whatever it was. Brian, your MVP. It, given that we just talked about this, it's not going to be very popular, but uh, I went with the soundtrack on this one just because I, I do have this type of music synonymous with tech movies, and I, I, I dig it. I, I, I'm behind it. I, and 
I actually don't think that, like, as a whole, if you take the individual song choices they used for this, it's not a super strong soundtrack in and of itself, but Influence and the bands that I did get into off of it just catapulted up there. Mm. You, were the, <laughs> you were the AT&T of people. <laughs> I just imagine, you know, uh, Clockwork Orange styling Chad with this type of with this type of mu- with the soundtrack for this movie playing it would and... be very effective yes yeah it yeah. i had a roommate once that had earth wind and fire's september which is a good song but they played it on a loop for eight hours a day just really liked the song that will drive <laughs> you insane i think i think if you did that with any song it could be your favorite song ever and if you did that that would be yeah so I played my freshman year of college. I played Santeria by Sublime on a loop for, I think, like a day and a half. And my roommate came in and he was like, if you don't change the song, I'm going to break your CD player, your receiver and both speakers. Yep. I I will stand up for that man then. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah. Yeah. That, w- that would have been rough. For, for me? I don't think, hey, Chad, mate, feel free to, to contradict. Feel free to contradict me on this, but I I don't recall ever really beating a song to death. Uh, John took a good run at beating Incubus's Drive, but I don't. Yeah, I got some Moby from him too. He went through a Moby phase. I no, you didn't particularly beat songs to death that I can remember. You you were like an early version of memes, though. So <laughs> it, 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 it's very strange. Like my, my wife has no frame of reference for the things that you're quoting or doing through high school, but she'll still go. Yeah. Toast. Like, <laughs> so, so That's excellent. Brian Fry <laughs> lives throughout all of us by just the things that you endlessly quoted. Well, I t- I'll tell you, and this actually directly relates to this movie. It wasn't until my most recent watch of this for the podcast that I realized that Johnny Lee Miller's brain in this, when they do those little parts where he's like remembering parts of TV shows, that's exactly what my brain does. (laughs) That is the cinematic equivalent of what my brain does. This isn't stuff that's just floating around there and I'm holding on to it just to say it. Something happens in an instant and five or six, you know, movie you know pieces fall into my head during that time that i can just random access yeah so it's funny maybe you have a song that you over listened to but uh didn't you just like put the uh album by 30 seconds to mars on repeat for a while i i don't think i've ever given a single 30 seconds to mars album a a, a good college try and you mm-hmm. never should <laughs> like next on the album list yeah. yeah so so back back to our movie as far as my mvp you got some flack from critics but i really i liked fisher stevens as the plague i thought he was entertaining throughout the ridiculous skateboarding the constant sour punch straw eating he just seemed like he was having fun hamming it up as the villain and i like villains so if you're having fun with it, you're probably going to win an award for me. Have no fear. I is here. I thought he did a very strong performance. 
and I thought, was it Lorraine Bracco? Is that who's like yeah, the playing? yeah the female employee that's following him around? Yeah, he- head of PR. God, she was awful. We will <laughs> we will address this shortly. <laughs> so I feel like that, given how bad she was, that that needs to be mentioned when we talk about him. That like. Mm being saddled with most of his scenes being with her like i i have like if it hadn't been that way he probably would have been the mvp for me but because of how many scenes he was with a wet blanket like it just no matter who you are as an actor it pulls you down a little yeah i completely agree and i will be fixing that shortly so best best supporting actor andrew I actually wanted to give a shout out here to uh, Bunk Moreland. Okay. So uh, the African American uh, cop that's the one that they mess with quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I know him as Bunk Moreland from The Wire. Most people do if you've ever seen The Wire, and he's one of my favorite, you know, people. And I thought that just like the different reaction scenes with him and the, those type of things. It just, uh, you know, really added some nice support since I already gave a bunch of supporting actors some love with my MVP. Uh, I thought he was a, uh, ad- he, I thought he added a lot in what moments he was there. And maybe it's just because I love him so much from The Wire, but it really was enjoyable for me anytime he was on the screen. Yeah, Wendell Pierce is a, he's a television actor primarily. So him, him popping up here was a little bit of a surprise. If I met him in real life, I would probably call him Bunking Moreland. Yeah, I did not get your wire reference, but Wendell Pierce. So I'm I'm just going to make you mad on all the things that I don't know. It's many. Fry? That's funny. Fry? Yeah. Uh, I went with Matthew Lillard for my supporting. This was one of the other things that, you know, profound impact. I really followed his career after this. Like, this was the start of me watching just about everything he's ever been in. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. If Matthew Lillard's in a movie, I'm picking Matthew Lillard for best supporting. His his realizations and his timing when he does the wait, 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 crash and burn, and burn. I love ah! I love the inflection. That was really good. So, hidden gem. There's there's quite a bit. We've there's we've so much of names. Andrew, so much. Get back to me for a second. I. Yeah, sure. Hidden gem, Fry. Uh, I went with Alberta Watson on this. She passed. You know, she passed too soon. She was sixty when she when she died. But uh, I loved her in this. Like, she's a phenomenal character as his mom. She has some of the best lines in the movie uh, in terms of like zingers. I think she's super sharp too, and that's one of the things I really like about her. And she had, was one of the best hero villains of all time in one of my favorite television shows, which was La Femme Nikita. Oh, wow. Wow, you're right. That's my Obi-Wan moment. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, so it was, uh, she was Madeline in that, and she she played a scary character in that show, so yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. All right. Andrew, who's your hidden gem? Uh, mine was Pendulette. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pendulette. I don't know if any of you have been fortunate enough to see 
Penn and Teller uh, perform, but they are amazing. They're really awesome. Mm-hmm. So big fan of them. He's just one of those guys that like, I don't know why he doesn't get hired to do, you know, to be in almost every movie. Like, just <laughs> right. give him a job as be working as a desk clerk, being, you know, a computer operator. Just give him, you know, give him like 10 to 15 lines in the movie. Not, not, you know, it doesn't have to, but just give him stuff to do. And he's just entertaining to watch. You know, he's one of those kind of over the top people who talks loudly, it talks with inflection and overemphasizes a lot of his consonants. Sometimes it works for him and he's, you know, just, he should be in more stuff. Agreed. Agreed. He had the world's tiniest glasses in this one as Hal. How right. the Computer Guy, so 2001 Space Odyssey reference. For me, it was Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics. He is the London-based hacker. So there's a short, yeah. sh- short cutaway to Mr. Stewart. So I thought that was a fun, fun little thing to plug in here. It was. Recast. We are replacing one cast member. Andrew, who are you changing out? You know, uh, I think once you told me Edward Norton, uh, mm. that's that 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 is really strong for me. But uh, I'm torn because I love Edward Norton, and I think that that is an improvement. However, Lorraine Bracco is so bad. <laughs> I feel like you just need to put you could like put a mannequin in the role. <laughs> would have been an improvement. Like, and I don't think she's bad in everything she does, by the way. Just this isn't like I don't have some vendetta against her. I actually was like excited when I knew she was going to be in it when she came on screen. And I was like, okay, this is something different. Huh, that kind of sucks. Oh, maybe it'll be better than another Snope. This is kind of crappy. Right. Oh, this is kind of crappy. Why is she on screen? <laughs> her character so, uh, really didn't have a, a ton of point in this movie. Yeah, it, she was, she actually. Co- co- I think I'll go with uh, replacing her with a mannequin. All right. Ouch. Ouch. Our first uh, organic to non-organic replacement. All right. Brian, who are you replacing? Uh, yeah, I, she was my replacement, too. Um, <laughs> I actually I actually was thinking someone like Angela Bassett would have been really good there. Mm, okay. I think she plays Sinister very well. All right. And I, I went a different direction. I am still going after Lorraine Bracco. I said in a movie filled with bad acting, she still managed to stand out as above and beyond terrible. And I'm replacing her with Lori Laughlin from Full House. Hmm. I, I just, I think she'd be better in this role. And it'd be funnier now because she went to prison. And she went to prison in this movie. So that's, that's who I'm going with. Best shot. Andrew? The swimming, the rooftop swimming pool. Okay. The actual rooftop swimming pool, let's clarify, right? No, no, no. Tricking the kids. Okay. So in the movie, they, uh, you know, she she sends them up to the roof by saying that there's a swimming pool on the roof to check out. And as he opens the door to the roof, it shuts behind him. And there's already seven, like, new kids that have been stuck up there. And the door is obviously locked. And it's raining. So they get soaked. 
in swimming pool. I thought that while it's really idiotic, and why wouldn't the, some of the kids be huddled near the door so that when it opened, they could then get you know free? I don't know. But in terms of being you know shot well, I thought it was a really good shot in the movie, and it did it really did work on you know him having some gripe against her. Now, like it set things up well, and I thought it just looked good. Yep. Go. Yeah, that was fun. Brian, how about you? I actually love this shot from the side of the escalators in Ellingson Mineral. Okay. I thought that looked really cool. I just, I've always enjoyed that little sequence. Yeah. The, or excuse uh, me, es- escalators, if I said elevators. No, I knew what you meant. And yeah, that was a good, that was a good shot. For me, it was Dade staring into the dark of the night. Down, It's down an alley after Eugene has driven away. There's smoke or some kind of fog coming up, and you just see the streetlights. I thought it was a good scene. And it was fun that Eugene was like hitching a ride back to the future style on a car with his skateboard. Like The whole thing was kind of ridiculous, but it ends with actually a nice shot. Yep. Which... We have our best scene. What was your favorite scene, Andrew? Uh, I liked the uh, courtroom scene at the beginning. That the little kid had a really good, like, unhappy look on his face with what was happening. And, you know, it sets the movie up well because you're immediately like, holy crap, this kid's howled and he's doing something that's messing with all the Wall Street banks. Mm. You know. $45,000 $45,000 was a pretty light fine for crashing a stock exchange, but well, they may take their actual income into, you know, like if they say we find you a million dollars, well, you'll never, ever be able to pay that. Yeah, it's the opposite side of the Austin powers of $100 billion. Right. <laughs> laughing and they're like, who's got that? Like you might've just said that like, you know, make up some of money. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't address it, but his parents were together in that scene, and then they were no longer together. So I, I think there's some implication that this caused financial strain to the point of divorce. He so, he reads over it. It's it's on uh, when he hacks into the uh, FBI database or no, the NCIC or whatever, and he was he he actually reads out, you know, they separated, reconciled two years later, divorced whatever and then child chose to go with his mother yeah yeah yep so brian what is your favorite scene uh i like the kind of fast forward still frame sequence they did as they're trying to figure out the worm and what's going on so you have like Dade typing and you've got all this crazy stuff going on where they're like stabbing paper with swords and eating pizza and just showing time passing as the sun rises and goes down. I, I like that whole sequence. All right. All right. Uh, I like that. For me, it was Razor and Blade when they're calling up the hackers and we, we get this global network joining in to help out. So it's. I, I like these scenes, even in, what is it, the, the Rise of Skywalker. It wasn't a great movie, but when everyone, including the Outrider, jump in, I think. Endgame. Yes, endgame. Yes, endgame yes, whenever you hear on your left. Yeah, on your left, man. That still gives me chills. Yeah, yeah, I still get choked up on it. So, yep, I, I'm a sucker for bringing in a lot of backup and 
global help against a villain when time's running out. Best wardrobe and makeup moment, and we could go a different direction of worst wardrobe, but what what was your favorite, Andrew? Uh, Matthew Lillard. All of it. <laughs> All yep. of it. Yes. All of it. I I like punk raver culture. Uh, the movie Kids came out in a pretty close time to this, and it has a lot of that punk skater culture. Uh, so I thought that they did a really good job of showing outlandish outfits that, quite frankly, teenagers in that age were actually wearing in New York City. So... Uh, I thought that that worked really well, and with particularly with what he was wearing, you needed somebody with a very strong personality to pull it off, and Matthew Lillard has a very strong personality. One of my personal favorites is the movie Go, for that raver culture. Mm. Okay. Ah, uh, I love that movie. The pigtails were a choice for Matthew Lillard. Like that was. Let him make it. Let him make it. Yeah. I, whatever he wants to do, let him do it. <laughs> oh, that was very odd. I'm not sure he wanted to do that. Just whatever, whoever was doing his wardrobe. Yeah. Um, Brian, what about you? Best wardrobe? I liked Angelina Jolie's armor ring. Oh, yeah. The unique ring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that's, fun piece. That's probably a standout, standout piece for me. And I've already mentioned Grandma's Boy, but the the trench coat the plague's wearing, it just reminds me a lot of Grandma's Boy. So with a movie of, of a lot of outlandish and ridiculous outfits, I felt like this this was one of the funniest. Cause he's he's cybersecurity guy, but he's dressing like some goth punk. I, I liked the, uh, under the trench coat was the like leopard print vest. <laughs> change change one thing and we we've mentioned some change worthy things but only one andrew what are you changing the director <laughs> all right we'll get a domino effect of change one thing to change many things I, right i i think he earned that brian what are you changing uh the hacking graphics I mean, Andrew's not wrong. I think changing the director probably does change this. But I, my fear with changing something like the director on a movie I like is, does it completely change the film for me and what I love about it? So I can't go, to, I can't go like full bore against the director because just for the sake of the fact that it may not be the same movie I love. I'm going much simpler here, and I just want to change Angelina Jolie's hair. I don't oh, know. Oh, I love the pixie cut. I knew you would be all about oh. the pixie. It's not even a pixie cut. It's just a weird, weird thing that they're doing to a very pretty lady. So it didn't work for me at all. It was it was distracting. So please give her longer hair. This, uh, the, you know, I didn't even put that down on the it, it, profound impacts it had on me. But this movie could be why I like girls with short hair. <laughs> all right so this, this so has clearly we then that puts us double voting for that for chad's change yes like you just increase the reason why we should change it <laughs> <laughs> best quote andrew 
There is no right or wrong, only fun and boring. That's a good quote. Yes, it is. Brian, what's your best quote? Good life philosophy, right? I actually went with an Alberta Watson one on this one. I I love it when she fake p- picks up the telephone in the beginning and she is, can we turn off the electricity in his room? He's been in there playing on his computer every day for a solid week. Well, I guess he could be playing with himself. Dade, you like girls, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That whole thing was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene. I, I didn't realize... My quote was from this movie. I've been saying it for quite a few years, and it's become more and more relevant. Spandex. It's a privilege, not a right. Yep. And of course, it wound up coming from Matthew Lillard, so that makes me happier to know. But somewhere along the way, probably Brian, I picked up that quote. (laughs) I have definitely used that several times. In fact, I think I use it every time I see Spandex's misuse. (laughs) So, yeah, you've probably most likely heard that from me at some point right for any of our listeners if you want to please send brian fry spandex size small (laughs) all right well it's been fun but now it's time to give our movie 1995's hackers a rating from zero to five stars half star increments unless you're brian andrew (laughs) what are you giving hackers Given it three and a half stars, the reason it gets that and it almost got four stars is because it's cult classicness and that it's had sustainability, you know, that like I can talk to people who are in their mid twenties and ask them if they've seen it and they look at me and they're like, Oh yeah, like of course. And because I literally had that conversation yesterday. And it's a movie that has stayed around a lot longer than many movies that did better than it that same year. So I think that, you know, that earns it above a three star rating, gets it up to three and a half. Excellent. Brian, what are you going? I gave it four stars just out of, out of love. I could objectively go less on this just as a, you know, if you take the movie by itself, but Andrew's right. And, and this is, you know, this movie meant a lot to me. So, would I say that you know that IMDb rankings or Rotten Tomatoes is wrong? Absolutely not. But for me, this movie was really important. So four. Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely like a movie that's not well reviewed. For me, I I feel bad because this was a dealer's choice, but I feel like it's going to be somewhat justified having talked about it. I went with two stars because it's just there's a lot of sloppiness in this film that should have been cleaned up. There are weird audio mistakes where the lips aren't synced up with what they're saying. There are continuity errors. There's random laughable jargon, subpar acting. I I think it's got a charm to it and it's clearly influential beyond what it set out to do. But for, for me, it, uh, it, it didn't work as well as I wanted it to. Well, and, and like you said earlier, like you wish you had gotten to it back in the nineties. And I feel, I feel that like, I, I get it. Uh, I remember the first time I watched it and it probably took me another six years of watching it to get everything I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. It is a movie. I think that is 
it greatly benefits from having seen it when it originally came out or, or getting to it at a younger age. This is something that keeps coming up. I keep seeing some movies. This isn't on the level of like legend that we keep bringing up. Right. But, but we brought on guests that that was like their childhood favorite movie. And we got right. to it as adults and we're like, your movie sucks. And they're mad at yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, this was, I was 11 when this came out. I had, I think it, at the end of VHS, I had somewhere around 400 movies. And this was one of five VHS tapes that I kept. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. Are you talking about Legend, the Tom Brady movie? <clears throat> yeah. Tom Cruise and uh, Tim Curry. Huh? I said Tom Hardy. Oh, no, no, no. no. Tom Cruise. 1985, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all kinds of terrible. Tim Curry's like a devil-type character. He's the only fun part of that movie. I don't think I know this movie. Well, oh, God, it's... I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, a uni- there's a unicorn that has to be slaughtered. It's uh, It's an early Tom Cruise movie. It is one of the... Yeah. Is it like the only bust in Tom Cruise's career? I don't even think it was a bust. I think it actually did relatively well. It just he, he somehow simultaneously looks like he's four years old and fifty. Like he looks exactly the same as he does now, but he also somehow manages to look like young. I don't know. It's it's so weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I'll have to check that out. Right. So. It's been fun, but now it's time to pick a movie for next time. Brian, are you ready? I'm all set. So strap in. You're going to be here for a while. Our theme this week is epically long movies. So option number one, Gods and Generals from 2003. Oh, God. The rise and fall of Confederate General Thomas Stonewall Jackson as he meets with military success against the Union from 1861 to 1863 when he is accidentally killed by his own soldiers. Option two, The Right Stuff, from 1983. The U.S. space program's development from the breaking of the sound barrier to selection of the Mercury 7 astronauts from a group of test pilots with a more seat-of-the-pants approach than the program's more cautious engineers preferred. Or option three, Cleopatra, from 1963. Queen Cleopatra VII of Egypt experiences both triumph and tragedy. She attempts to resist the imperial ambitions of Rome. Uh, I think we'll go with option two, the right stuff. Mm. Cue the new kids on the block. What caused the gods and generals reaction? Right. Oh, man, I so I'm a huge fan of the movie Gettysburg and Gods and Generals is the prequel to it. But you get a much older and more overweight Jeff Daniels in Gods and Generals. And it, oh God, it, you're right. It's epically long. I'm actually a little surprised I didn't see Alexander on this list. Um, <laughs> it, it just it falls into one of the categories of movies that I saw in theaters and my ass was not happy about it. <laughs> Yep. Fair enough. Yep. And these are epically long movies. So each of these are over three hours long. We'll be there's gonna be a lot to talk about in next week's episode, so be sure to check us out. Andrew, you're getting up there in our greatest appearances. You you might be our leading guest. So thank you so much for joining us again. We hope to have you have you back for another one. I hope to come back soon. 
And thank you, all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Those really help us out. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. Producing and providing this podcast is fun, but it's not free for us. So we invite you to support the show at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? Are we are making, we making chemical, chemical weapons? weapons? Kitty, Kitty porn? porn? Are we strip, are we strip mining? mining? No. no. Why are Why they are coming, they coming after, after me? After me?